Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're glad that you're here. If you're a visitor, we're grateful that you join us. We've got snacks in the back and restrooms over here, and we'll have a um, children's sermon where your children can come forward if they like. Um, good news for the week. We've approved a plan for encouraging people to join our church. When somebody, when somebody expresses an interest in membership, you always say, well, how do we do it? How, how, do, how does somebody become a minister at, or a, a member? At, a minister is a little bit longer. Uh, a member at your church. What we're going to do is have um, three opportunities a year. So in the first week of October, the first week of January, and the first week of April, we're going to invite people to enroll in a class. And in that class, we're going to read a book together called Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. Um, so when everybody enrolls in a class, then I'll get everybody's schedule. We'll determine five times that we can meet. And then uh, at the end of that, everyone will join together. So uh, join the church together, and they'll go to both services, and both services will celebrate them. So we'll have um, a class sometime around Easter, uh, Christmas, a class sometime around Easter, and a class right before we get out of school. Um, those people will be joining our church. Um, worship plans. Um, we have, uh, so we're coming to the last two weeks of the book that we're currently reading. And we're going to have a new book. And it's that book that I just mentioned. Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. And we're going to look at that for the next ten weeks. So um, logistically, if you want us to order the book for you, I want you when the attendance register goes by to put your book by your name. And if you want to just be on the permanent book list and not have to sign up for any more, any more times, you just put permanent book out from your name, and then, we, and then you're done. Uh, every time we order a book, every time we have a new book out, um, we'll order a book for you, and you won't have to worry about it. Um, faith development tonight. Uh, Sunday night programming starts tonight at 5. The major, major difference is that we're going to feed your kids right off the bat, um, little guys and youth. And so at 5 o'clock, if you haven't, make sure they're here at 5, um, we're going to feed them pizza. That way they won't be, won't be feeding them snacks throughout the night. And then you have to feed them when they get home at 7. Um, so make sure they're here at 5 in case they want to participate in Cindy's handbells, the kids, so that they can get up there before 5.30. Um, programming for adults will start next Sunday. And it will be in the social hall at 6 o'clock. And uh, Bob and Bobby are going to teach us um, rotating back and forth. That's going to be fun. What I hope to do on Sunday nights is go in between all of them. Um, uh, maybe all of them on one night and one on one night. So hope to be bouncing back and forth between the two. I believe that's every announcement. Uh, make sure you put your name out from the register if, if you want to be on the book list. Uh, so let's turn our hearts towards the Lord. Will you stand and sing with us?
pray. Gracious God, we are thankful this morning for new beginnings to school years, for students and teachers, and um, for the start of a brand new year and starting fresh. We ask that you help us to remember to keep you in our new routines as we get started back, and that you help us to focus on you so that you do truly become our vision in everything that we do. Focus our hearts and our minds on you now as we prepare to worship. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. would you come forward for the children's sermon and would you turn and greet your neighbor children are up here for the children's sermon, if you want to raise your hand for ushers to bring you a note card for prayer concern, please do that and ushers will bring you one. Good morning. How you guys doing? First week of school for a lot of you. Did you guys go over some rules in your classroom? Yeah, lots of rules, a few rules, one rule, 20 rules. Would be a lot, wouldn't it? Do you guys have rules in your house? 
for your house. Yes, you do? Yes. Okay, so what are some of your rules, Sam? One. Tell me one rule. We don't remember. Okay. Jackson, do you have a rule that you can remember? No jumping from the ladder from the bunk beds. Good one. Rules. I need to hear some rules. Um, Hattie. I, I spilled my cereal and... Um, do you have to clean it up? Was that a rule? You got to clean up your messes? That's a good one. What's your rule? No jumping on the beds. I think a lot of a lot of houses have those rules. Good job. Well, in our house, we try to keep it simple. We do have a lot of rules, but I try to like focus it down. Mr. Greg and I have decided that we have rules for two reasons. The first rule is safety. Okay, the first reason we have rules is safety. So that would be no jumping off of the ladder on the bunk bed and no jumping on the beds. Those are good. No running in the house. We'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. The second reason we have rules, Ryan, do you remember what the second reason is? It's a quiz. The second reason that we have rules in our house is for manners. Okay, that's a pretty good one. Now, Hattie, I think yours falls under manners. If you make a mess, you need to clean it up, right? I mean, you're showing respect to your parents. Him and I were trying to clean my cereal. Mm, trying, and, you, and Kale was helping. So that was, Kale had a lot of manners there just by helping you. Well, um, did you guys know that back in Jesus' day, they had a lot of laws, otherwise known as rules. Um, some people say like around 600. I don't know if that's true. Pastor Joe is at about 613. Okay, that's the specific number. Um, that's a lot of rules to keep up with. Can you keep up with 600 rules or 613 rules? I can't. I know for sure. So this really this guy who is a teacher asked Jesus, he said, and this comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Well, it starts before that. He asked Jesus, he says, what are the most important rules? He's basically saying, can you, can you, get, can you make it simple for us? What's the most important rule? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. That's a lot of all yours. So basically love your God completely with everything that you are. And then he goes on to say, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, is your neighbor the person who lives next door to you? Yeah? But can a neighbor be anybody that you come into contact with? Anybody that's in your classroom or anybody that lives in your house? They can be your neighbor too, right? So maybe Ms. Rochelle and Mr. Greg should change our rules to be the reason we have rules is for safety because it is our jobs to keep Ryan and Bailey safe. But the other one should be maybe to love other people. Manners kind of is loving other people, right? Showing respect for other people. All right, cool. You guys think that you can do maybe those things with your parents this week? Yeah, and for your teachers? Yeah, cool. All right, can we pray together? Dear God, Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us Jesus. Thank you for helping us boil all the important things down to just a couple of thoughts. You guys don't have to repeat that. And help us to love each other and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job.
when you share these cards with us, they're mentioned in worship and they're also prayed over on Tuesdays and throughout the week by our prayer team. So I encourage you to do it if you would like. I do. Uh, we did have a discussion about limiting the information for the person's um, privacy, but we're absolutely going to mention the names. Uh, Tara Posner, for Shirley Minnick, Steve Willman, and for Andy, for the Durrett family, for Carol Phillips and David McClure. Let us pray. Lord, we lift these names up to you and the names unsaid and unwritten because we believe deeply in you and know there may be times when we are not healed physically, emotionally, relationally. We know that you are present with us and constantly driving us to seek that healing. Be present with us this morning, Lord, as we consider what your will for us might be. Calm our hearts and minds. Clear our thoughts so that we can focus on your text and your proclamation of the word. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So we're looking at chapter 3 today from uh, Why by Adam Hamilton. We'll cover chapter 4 next week at a service that's at what time? 10 o'clock. Where is that service? In the sanctuary. And I've said to them every week, and I'll tell them again today, they're coming. People from the FLC are coming um, to, hear chapter, uh, to hear chapter 4. So today we're talking about God's will for our lives, which can be difficult to discern. What is it that God wants me to do? And we're going to talk about why that's difficult this morning. Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So the reason I would have never been able to say 613 to Rochelle, if I didn't know, if I had not Googled it this week, looking to see what that number was, I've actually got it in my notes, 613. Compare that against elements on the periodic table. Anybody know how many there are? <laughs> a bunch. That's solid. 118. 118 elements on the periodic table. Species of sharks. Anybody know how many species of sharks there are? We've been talking about sharks all summer. There's 400 species of sharks. This one's insane. Pages of 8.5 by 11 sheets in the U.S. Federal Tax Code. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm, I'm, um, we're going to do, do over under. Over under... 45,000. Okay. All right. Let's put it the number higher. Uh, 73,954. There are 73,954 pages of U.S. tax code. If you made that front and back and you put it into a book, what if you made it eight-point font? How big would that book be? Get into those types of numbers and you'll ask the question, which one of these is the most important? Which one of these is the most critical? What do I need to understand the best? Um, there's a reason we ask that. There's a couple, actually. One is, which ones do we have to follow and which ones can we sort of ignore and which ones can we break all together and not really care? Human beings do that. Number two, uh, you know, which one can we, you know, just, can we just set these aside? These don't really matter. They don't apply to us. They don't apply to our um, setting or they don't apply to our time. If, if you don't figure that you prioritize laws based on your already existing behavior and then apply your prioritization of those laws to other people's life, you're wrong. 
you have, most of us, have pre-existing behavior. We find the laws that are there. We celebrate those laws above all others. And then we wonder if others are living up to those laws as well as we are. That's just human nature. That's just sort of what we do. So when this man asks this question, Jesus does something interesting. Normally when somebody asks a question like that, Jesus tells a what? Parable. When somebody says, give me a direct answer to a direct question, Jesus instead tells a parable that has a story that has a point that should ties directly back to that question. Generally, that you shouldn't even be asking that question. But in this case, he gives them a direct answer. 29. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Those are four interesting words. With all your heart, which is tied to what? Emotion. With all your soul, which is tied to the kingdom of God, to our creator. With all your mind, your ability to what? Process, think, be rational, hopefully. With all your strength, you're going to have to strain to do it. We encourage you to strain to love God as much as you possibly can. That's what he says. Even with that, that's a little unclear for our tastes. Which one's the most important? Love God. Wait, what am I supposed to do with that? How, how am I supposed to behave? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? We like them to be direct. We like, we like some rules to have some do-nots. Okay? Do not make things real clear. And then we can judge whether somebody did or did not do that thing. Um, our HVAC system is tied directly to um, computers that have four-digit codes on them. And you have to have the four-digit code to change the computer system. Now, that is, it's always funny to me to see what the thing is. That's pretty typical, actually. But two churches back when I was in a brand new church and we were in a brand new building, the uh, thermostat was just there like those light switches. It was just sitting there. You'd go over there and touch it. And enough people went over there and touched it that all of a sudden there was a piece of 8.5 by 11 paper beside it. And what did that 8.5 by 11 paper, piece of paper say? Don't, don't take it above here or below here. Now, that's been... I've been gone... Um, Four and a half years, there might be a plastic casing over it now <laughs> that has a key that only certain people get. Do not seek the treasure in terms of the thermostat for the temperature inside. We like some do nots. We like them to be measurable. Give us some rules that we can measure ourselves against others because we do that to determine how we are and what we're doing and what we need to be doing better. So I googled, um, I, I knew I'd seen it before because my sister's in HR and she's always in um, making processes better and developing ideas for business. These are smart objectives, okay? Ideally speaking, each corporate department and section should be led by these five objectives. Specific. Target a specific area for improvement. Measurable. Quantify or at least suggest an indicator of progress. Assignable. Who will be doing this? Realistic. State what results can be realistically achieved given available resources. And T is time-related. Specify when results can be achieved. These are things that we should be doing when we're in management of people and businesses. Are these, is this uh, goal a smart goal? No, I don't know that it has any of those things. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. So here's your first quote of the day. This is Adam asking this question. Is God's will a set of principles and precepts we live by? Or does God have a specific will for every decision we make, every action we take, every word that we speak, in every situation of life? I'd be curious to see if we took a poll, if I could somehow find a way to poll y'all this morning as to whether you... If, if you didn't have to choose between those two things, if you would pick like an a la carte. I don't, I really don't think that God's will is 
that loose, and I really don't think it's that specific. I think it's I think God does direct our actions, but maybe not our words. Something, whatever it is, that's what human beings do. But if you had to choose between those two things, which one would you choose? And it's not which one would you choose and worship sitting in a cool environment where um, nothing's really happening to us right now. What would you choose in the midst of total conflict and pain in life? Which one of these things would you choose? What have you heard people say in life when something bad has happened, someone has said something negative, or something's fallen apart? Scripture continues in verse 31. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What does that mean exactly? Love your neighbor as yourself. As much as I love myself? Think about the stories that you tell your friends about when you have been, uh, when you felt like something didn't go as well as you thought it should have. Have you ever told your friends, and this thing didn't go well, and you know what, I was the total cause of it. It was all on me. (laughs) Right? What do you do when you tell your friends? Oh, I don't even know what happened. This guy did something stupid, and that guy said something stupid, and this person, I don't even know what he's doing. And all of it caused the whole thing to fail. If it hadn't been for them, it would have been fine. For him to say, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself is a big deal. Because... Um, so I'll, every time I read that, I pull out this quote from uh, it's like eight years ago. I think it was Terrell Owens, who's an NFL wide receiver. And he had an amazing day, maybe 200 yards that day. And they said, tell us what happened today. Like, how did you do that? You know what he said? I love me some me. <laughs> I, love, I love me some me. That is as real as it gets. Like, you might not say it that way, but you feel that way. You love you some you. But to love your neighbor that much, so my grandmother, when we were growing up, in, uh, when we'd go visit her in Tennessee, the joke was that her neighbor would blow the leaves from that driveway into her yard. And we, as the kids, would um, mess with that by walking around the yard when she'd be doing it. We'd walk around the back. And so she'd be blowing into her yard We'd come around the corner and she'd go, oh, let me put it this way, <laughs> okay? Just little things like that, little nitpicky things. We had a um, person above us in a condo that we lived in that just played super loud music all the time with bass all the time. You're supposed to love that person? And we're talking about people in Lyman? We're talking about people in Georgia? We're talking about people in other nations? Like, where does this, what does this neighbor thing extend to? And how uh, we, we need to be more direct when you're talking about loving them. So here's your second quote, and it's, it's, it's two big ones. You need to hang in there. Did God have a perfect and complete plan for your life before you were born? Is everything that we do, everything that will happen to us, and every decision we will make already written down, predetermined by God, so that we're merely players on God's stage? Now just think about that. Do you, do you believe that? Second quote. If so, what's primary is the question of why. If in fact we're merely following a script that God wrote, God punishes us if we do the wrong thing or rewards us if we do the right thing. After all, we're merely doing what God mandated that we do. So think about that. Think about the words that we have heard in tragedy or the words that we have said to others in the midst of tragedy. We've said things that help establish order for us and for them, but it can be an awful scary thing. If we say, well, this is the way that God meant for it to be. Well, look at that quote. Do you think that God mapped out every single thing that will happen? And if so, why is there any text in the Bible about us being punished if God mapped it out? I remember the final climactic scene. I need to, I need to watch more. We haven't watched as many movies since we've had kids. I need to go out and watch some movies. Do you remember A Few Good Men in the 90s? Way back. <laughs> in the climactic scene in the courtroom, they were talking about punishing the Marine 
who was punishing another Marine, and he said, why did you punish him? Did you order the punishment? No. Do people always follow your orders? Yes. Why did you punish him? Unless you ordered it. And then he comes out and says he did. The general ordered. He said, did you order the code red? So if God dictated our every action, why would there be any talk of punishment for our actions? But yet we talk about both. I don't think you can have both. If somebody, something happens, somebody say, well, I don't know what they did, but something awful must have happened to them. And if we also say, well, um, this is the way God wanted it, you can't, I don't think you can have both those things. And I don't think it's either. I think God has a set of concepts that are not immediately, directly given to you as to how you should absolutely do it. One of the unexpected things I love about Greer is the trains. I really do. I love to hear them. I love to hear them when I'm walking home. I love to hear them when I'm walking here. I love to hear them when I'm sitting in my office. Um, I'll go over and watch them like a five-year-old. I just like, I like transportation. I like trains. You think about trains. Do you think that God has us on a track of which we cannot change at all? Or do you think God has roads like we have all over this city that you can drive on? Which one do you think it is? If it's roads, then we have options. If we have options, then we need to, be, we need to know what to do. If we need to know what to do, then it's about, he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. No do's, no do nots. No specifics. Just those two concepts. Scripture continues in verse 32. Well said, teacher, the man said. You're writing saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That last part's interesting. The burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is a reference to the ancient practices of the people who would do what they wanted against the will of God and then come to the temple and offer what? Burn offerings and sacrifices. Now, I'm not certain, but I believe you offered the animal to the size of the offense of your actions. And when Jesus turns the tables over, the reason he's upset is because he knows that people are coming to the temple to do that, and he knows that the temple is profiting off their coming to do it. Y'all ever go to a theme park or a um, Frankie's or something where money doesn't work? You have to exchange your money for other money. And then when you exchange your money for other money, it's only good there. And there's probably a markup. And they're making just a little bit more money off the money that you're already giving them to pay for things that, for your kids. These people are saying, you're going to have to exchange your money at the temple to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices. There's a text, I can't think where it is, but he says, you know what, I hate your offerings. And I hate your sacrifices. A prophet speaking on behalf of God because he knows the people aren't listening. They aren't doing it. And then they're just coming to the temple and offering burnt offerings and sacrifices. So for that teacher of the law to come up and say, it's true. We should just try to love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourselves rather than doing things and then asking for forgiveness, doing things after forgiveness over and over and over and over in an endless cycle. Here's another quote. What if God, if giving us life, invites us to collaborate in writing the story and the purpose of our lives? What if we're co-authors? Okay, so I had a um, seminary professor just rail on that bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot. You familiar with that sticker? He would, uh, he, was, he would get heated. And he would say, God is the pilot, not the co-pilot. God's the one in the driver's seat. But I, um, in reading this text and reading this book, I think it's interesting to conceive of the idea of the two of us sitting in a plane of which we have actual power over the wheel. You know how frightening that is? 
What if human beings have a say in what the will of God is? That puts a responsibility on us. If instead we say, well, you know, it's probably what God wanted, it's probably what God was doing, we don't have to be engaged. We can just figure, you know, can't even stop it, can't do anything about it, won't even try. I'm going to sit over here. But if we have a part in authoring what God's will is for this world, all of a sudden we've got a serious responsibility. Verse 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Here's another thing that's unique about this text that I think is cool. Normally when the teacher of the law comes to Jesus and asks a question, it's hostile. They, don't, they want to confuse him. They want to trip him up. They want him to fail. They want whatever. This person is actually affirming what Jesus is saying and is a teacher of the law. That's pretty unique and it needs to be pointed out. And that, uh, the other part, that phrase, kingdom of God, You'll hear me say this as long as I'm here. There are many faith traditions that focus entirely on getting you into heaven as the end and the beginning and the end of your purpose. In the United Methodist Church, the kingdom of God has two distinct, important elements. It is, yes, our eternal life with God, absolutely. But it's also bringing God's will to this earth right now, right here with our actions and our words. Helping to author that story. So when he says you're close to the kingdom of God, I don't think he's saying you're close to dying and going to heaven. I think he's saying you are close to what we're talking about here and living it out with your actions and your words. This one. Next quote. It's helpful for me to remember that mine is not the only story God is authoring. I'm part of a much larger, larger story of God's love and care for our world. God is working in the lives of people I meet each day, seeking to collaborate in writing their stories as well. This helps me remember that the world doesn't revolve around me. So I googled another number. How many questions do kids ask their mom a day? It's frightening. It's somewhere between 150 and 300 questions a day. <laughs> you want to what, what, uh, what is that? Uh, um, card sharks from the Game Show Network? You're like, we want to go higher, right? I, I think it's higher. 300 questions a day. How many of those questions from a child is about the other child, the greater will of the other child? Mother, have you considered my sibling? They have needs. Have you thought about them? Mother, my sibling would like a snack. Mother, my sibling is harmed. Can you comfort them? No. What are we doing? This guy. Who has two thumbs and needs something. Me. If a child asks a mother 300 questions a day, how many questions do humans ask God? Can you imagine? So it's important in thinking about the will of God that the will of God is not the will of Joe. And though I may want something with total speed and total um, fulfillment, give me everything I've ever dreamed of this second. That the will of God is working through other people as well and that there are other issues and there are other people considering other things. The final quote. Part of knowing God's will is simply paying attention and noticing what's going on around you. Part of it is offering yourself as an instrument of God's love and grace towards another. When we are attempting to decide how to respond to another person, we ask, in this situation, what is the most loving thing I can do? So when we are seeking God's will in a way that is like the 76,213 pages of the tax code, we're not going to find it. And I don't think we would want it. When we're seeking to understand tragedy in our life, tragedy that we caused by our action or inaction, or that someone else caused by their action or inaction, or by a force of nature that couldn't be stopped, 
I'd have you consider these two elements of what Jesus says is God's will. Not painful death and loss or regret or pain. God's will is that we love God with our whole heart and that we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. Keep those two on your refrigerator, on your car dashboard, on your office desk. And you ask, what's the most loving thing we can do? And you'll be in the neighborhood of doing what God's will is for your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we would ask that you help us to transition our prayers from can you to help me do something for you. Help me understand your will. Help me understand your love for another. Help me set aside the what feel like totally desperate desires for things that we want this second. For a simple understanding of what's loving of our neighbor. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and read the affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. If now, the ushers will come forward for our offering.
stand and sing with us? Sanctuary. Um, if you say, "What do we wear?" What you wearing now? Um, because we're going. I'm going to tell them to be casual. Say, "Where do we sit?" Well, there are people that sit in the front, and there are people that sit in the back, and those are the people who don't make, want you messing with them. So sit anywhere in the inner 90 percent. Anywhere in the inner 90 percent. Not front people, not back people, and you will be good. Dress casually. Let's see if I can go without a robe. We'll, we will see. We'll see. We'll see. Go in peace. Seek the will of God. Seek to do simply the loving thing for your neighbor in whatever way you see out on the road, in your workplace, and at home. Amen.
Last week. My music fell off. I couldn't stop.